0: podcast for what you could learn from your customers. The best thing about podcasting in healthcare is that we're currently at the ground level, meaning that the number of people in healthcare listening to podcasts is small but growing rapidly. I put together a free checklist for you to check out the steps on what it takes to create your own podcast. You could find that at outcomesrocket.health/slash podcast. Check it out today and find a new way to leverage the sales, marketing, and outcomes of your business. That's outcomesrocket.health slash podcast. Welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket podcast, where we chat with today's most successful and inspiring health leaders. Today, I have Corbin Petro. She's the president and CEO of Benevra Health a technology-enabled health services company focused on population health and person-centric health care. These are buzzwords that you all have heard on the podcast, population health being one of them, being focused on the care of populations versus just single point of care. And then person-centric health care, taking care of that person, consumer-centric health care is, is really on the cusp of the changes that are happening in healthcare. She created uh, this from a payer-provider joint venture. Benevra Health provides tools and resources to support value-based care, including analytics, risk and insurance strategy, and locally-based care coordination and patient engagement services. Prior to that, she was a chief operating officer of the Massachusetts Department of Medicaid, MassHealth, a $13 billion agency providing healthcare to 1.4 million Massachusetts residents. She oversaw operations, IT functions, several program areas, and helped develop new value-based payment and delivery models. So as you all can see and hear, she's no stranger to value-based care and to the cutting edge in what's happening to healthcare. So it's a true pleasure to have you on the podcast, Corbin. Thanks for joining us. Thank
1: you, Saul. Appreciate you having me. It's great
0: to be here. Absolutely. Now, is there anything in that intro that I left out that maybe you wanted the listeners to know about you?
1: No, I mean that was a that was a great overview. I think broadly my background is pretty unique in that I've spent my career, my entire career in healthcare, but spent time in both the public and private sectors in consulting as well as being an operator and focused on innovating in multiple segments payer provider services and, and IT. So I think, you know, with this lens, I have a, a pretty unique view of the healthcare ecosystem.
0: Oh, without a doubt, you know, and everything is so siloed in healthcare that to have somebody like you, Corbin, that has seen and, and tasted the way things roll in in the different silos, it's hugely valuable. And so I'm just curious, you know, your whole career in healthcare, what got you into the medical sector to begin with?
1: Well, for me, it's it's really two things. The first one is why I was drawn to healthcare in the first place, and then the second is more about how I think about having an impact in healthcare. So, you know, on the first reason to start, you know, I grew up just outside of Cleveland, Ohio, in a family that valued hard work and public service. So my my father was a public servant. So it's really the the service side of healthcare that attracted me. You know, there were a few years growing up where my family went around the state talking to people of all walks of life to understand really what they needed from government. Ohio has 88 counties, a majority of which have a county fair and, and you know one summer I remember going to something like 75 county fairs. Wow In one summer people, in one summer. yeah wow. Amazing. Um, So you know talking with people who have different backgrounds, needs, and economics was really striking to me and healthcare is really the ultimate equalizer. It's something that impacts all of us at some point. and I was struck early on at how different the experiences can be across people. So you know healthcare as a service, spans you know across both public and private sector, that affects all people regardless of background is really what I was drawn to. The second part is more around where I thought I could have impact within healthcare. So I was an athlete growing up. I was a a distance runner in both high school and college. And as an athlete, how I performed in a race wasn't driven by one or even two things. It wasn't just my genetics or my training or my diet or what I ate the night before. Or how you know not having my lucky socks impacted me mentally or the fact that I could afford the best shoes. It was really a combination of all those things. So, you know, healthcare is is the same way. And as a former athlete, I'm always surprised at how we address it through just one or two aspects. So, you know, my mission and focus in healthcare is, is through the service it provides, but acknowledging the, the span of factors that can support one's health.
0: Love that. Very, very thoughtfully um, approached, Corbin. And um, you know, I, I think it's fascinating, right? You spend that summer going and seeing these different fairs. And I think one of the things that we need to do better in healthcare is get that feedback from customers, our patients, and and listen better. And I feel like that was an advantage that sort of you formed very early in your career by doing that. What kind of impact would you say that summer that you did had on your formation as a leader today?
1: Well, I think, you know, understanding that people have different perspectives and different experiences and particularly in healthcare, how those can yeah. percolate to the top in terms of what somebody's thinking about and what's impacting their day-to-day lives. I think all of that in sort of that broader perspective helps me be a leader and a manager, but also helps me in, in the view that I have toward healthcare.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's interesting. So there's obviously a lot to tackle within the sphere of healthcare, Corbin. But today, what would you say a hot topic that needs to be on every medical leader's agenda? And how are you guys addressing that?
1: Sure. Well, you know, you talked about barriers and silos. And a big part of my career has been breaking down traditional silos, whether that's data organizations or how we think about patients. One example is when I was working as chief operating officer of Medicaid in Massachusetts, one of the things we did was Launch an analytic tool to help us identify waste and abuse. The tool incorporated data from a bunch of other state agencies. So it gave us insights into a person or organization or a physician's activity with the state well outside the the walls of the Medicaid agency. The fact that that data, you know, between the Department of Revenue and the different aspects of state government wasn't shared was so shocking to me. They didn't have, you know, like a single record for a person, a citizen of the state. But this is really how data exists everywhere. It's not like Amazon is sharing their data with with Walmart. We think about how important data is and analytics, but it's always within sort of a siloed sphere. So in healthcare, I just think it's really important that we recognize that a person's health and the data associated with it shouldn't be siloed. And so that definitely goes for the way we think about treating patients and what we're doing at, at Benevera. So everything we do at Benevera is about breaking down those silos. I just mentioned data, and that's one area where we're certainly innovating through our model. We bring together the the claims data from the insurance partner and we integrate it with EMR data from our provider partners. And then we bring in publicly available data and patient reported data to have a really rich picture of the patient as well as of provider behavior. So I think it's important in healthcare for us to think about the service and the public aspect of healthcare as something that impacts everyone and how we can work together to improve health more broadly we shouldn't think about data like Amazon or Walmart and think about hoarding it for our own benefit we should think about it as as a means to improve overall health
0: i think that's a good call out corbin and you sit in a unique seat as a leader of a of an integrated payer provider system so you you see a lot from both sides of the aisle that maybe a lot of Companies don't see, or a lot of hospitals and a lot of insurance companies don't see the full picture. Can you give an example of how you guys have done things differently to create results and improve outcomes?
1: Sure. I mean, I think our model itself, obviously, is is very unique. So there there are basically two major innovations in our model that that involve doing things differently um, and mm-hmm. breaking down those those silos I mentioned previously. The first is is on the insurance side, so. First part of Benevera is the insurance aspect. So what we did in the joint venture is took Harvard Pilgrim, who's the insurance partner, their market in New Hampshire and put it into the joint venture. So that the hospital partners are owners of the insurance business. So yes. in being owners of the insurance business and sort of blurring those lines between payer and provider, It really allows us to learn more from the hospitals as what are the sort of the pain points and the community needs of their communities. So that helps us to develop different products and services that the community needs, as well as what, you know, understanding those physician pain points. So as an example, our our hospital partners told us early on that some of their challenges with high deductible health plans was that the patients weren't paying their patient portion, the you know, the coinsurance and deductible. And that really encouraged us to move more toward transparency and point-of-service pricing co-pays, for mm-hmm. example, yeah. um, and to build products that limited the patient cost share specifically for our partners. So really let them focus on delivering care instead of going back and, and capturing the financial piece from, from patients. That's sort of on the insurance side. You know, the second part of our model that we've talked about was spinning out a new company doing tech-enabled services focused on population health. And again, we sort of break down the silo by sharing data across parent provider obviously giving us a, a really rich picture of the patient as well as a better understanding of how our providers are delivering care. We think about patients holistically and try to address all their needs through our engagement model, whether that's housing or helping them understand insurance, scheduling appointments, transportation, scheduling visits, understanding how to, to manage chronic or complex t- conditions. And then for providers, we're able to have real and local benchmarks that they trust to help us identify outliers. So, Those are sort of the ways that we're innovating. And and in terms of outcomes, quantitatively, our our results have been pretty fantastic. So, you know, we've had significant reductions in ER and inpatient admissions that drive about a 35% reduction in cost for patients who are engaged in our program. It's about a four times ROI. Those are sort of the, the quantitative results, but the, you know, the real results are uh, brought to life by some of our patient and physician stories.
0: Yeah, that's really wonderful. Uh, you, you guys are definitely so focused on moving the needle there for patient care, but also it's so important to keep the eye on on the organizational business success, because hey, without margin, there's no mission. And so it's super key. And a lot of hospitals are struggling to find new revenue models. And taking this unique approach is, I think, definitely opening up some doors for you guys as a system. But I'm sure with that comes a lot of lessons learned. Can you uh, share with the listeners a setback that you had and what you learned from it?
1: Sure. This is, this is a great question. In many ways, failure and mistakes are really just when reality doesn't meet expectations. So that can be because of unrealistic expectations, it can be because of falling short or mistakes. So there you know, have been many times in my life where reality didn't meet expectations and many of those felt like massive personal failures. But in my current role at, at Benevera, we expected the hospital and provider partners in the joint venture to really sort of create a consortium amongst themselves yeah. To learn from one another and for Benevere to provide services to them as a collective. And for the most part, that just hasn't been the case. The market dynamics have changed dramatically in the the area that we that we serve. So for example, Elliot Hospital, which is our second largest hospital, decided yeah. to merge with another hospital that's not part of the joint venture. So, you know, the hospitals that we once thought would be, we could see them aligning closely together, started to have less and less reason to do so. Yeah, We also realized that, that the providers who are in our joint venture are in a very different place when it comes to moving toward value-based care. So Dartmouth-Hitchcock is the largest hospital in our joint venture, and you've probably heard of them. They're a large yeah. academic tertiary hospital with a lot of community group practices around the state of New Hampshire. And they've been participating in Medicare ACOs and are in many risk-based contracts. So they're well on their way to value-based care. On the other hand, Frisbee Memorial Hospital is our smallest hospital partner. They're a 75-bed community hospital located in a part of the state where their patient mix weighs heavily on public programs. So they have a a lot of Medicare and Medicaid patients. Mm -hmm. And Benevera and the Joint Venture was really Frisbee's first foray into risk and and the first time they really thought about moving toward value-based care. So those two polar opposites are really just examples of how our provider partners were in very different places and needed very different things. So we sort of had to acknowledge that the consortium model of sort of serving them as a collective wasn't gonna prevail. So we pivoted. So instead of serving all the providers together, we started thinking of them individually and with their unique needs. At times this feels like a failure because I, you know, I really wanted them to sort of think together as a, as yeah. a collective and treat them as a consortium but in other ways you know we're able to add a lot more value in this model being a true operating and servicing partner to to our different provider groups and, and meeting them where they are.
0: Yeah, that's super interesting and and appreciate you sharing that Corbin. You know, it's when you meet with the like you said, right, when when reality doesn't match your expectations. You said it so eloquently and you guys have made shifts to adjust and give these providers what they need. And I think it's all about making sure that we pivot, that we do the things that are, are really being asked for us rather than sit there in denial and trying to do things because that's where things really hit the fan. <laughs> Wouldn't you agree? No, that's exactly right. I mean, I think
1: recognizing and pivoting when things aren't going as planned while balancing that with with patients, right? So we know yeah. that in healthcare, things are really hard and change is hard and takes time. And so, knowing when to adjust course and, and when not to, I think that's really important to sort of recognize that.
0: Yeah, that's a really good call. And and so appreciate your walking us through that, Corbin. So how about the other side of the coin, the positive? What's one of your proudest experiences or moments that you've had to date with uh, your work there?
1: So the teams I've, I've been a part of building and the, the impact we're having on people's lives makes me proud every day in, in the work that we're doing. The team at Benevera is mission driven, smart, thinking proactively about how we can innovate and improve the lives of patients through our work. Every day I hear amazing stories from my team and that makes me so honored to be working with such amazing people. But sort of on the on the team side, when I when I moved into my role as as CEO, it was, you know, it was my first time reporting to a board and generally just being a, a CEO and I wanted to be successful and, and knew I had a lot to learn. So I asked my board if they would support an executive coach for both me and, and for my team. It was a big ask at the time since, you know, a required investment early on. But once they agreed to it, I was so proud to be able to support the development of my leadership team. And, you know, we all benefited personally and as a team from the investment. And personally, I see it as one of the most valuable leadership development activities I've engaged in. And I know that the folks on my team who were able to engage in in with the executive coach feel the same way. And so I'm proud that I sort of brought them into the fold and was able to develop them in that way.
0: I admire you for that, Corbin. A lot of times people believe that they've gotta know everything, that they've gotta just fake it till you make it. And, and that couldn't be farther from the truth. And I'm a big proponent of coaching too. I've, I've hired professional coaches to help me through my journey. And I'll tell you what, it, it saves time, it saves money. And it really helps provide that guidance that I feel like we all need, especially as leaders in healthcare. So kudos to you for not taking that mindset that, hey, I gotta find a way and fake it till I make it, because that really, I think, is what makes a big difference in a leader in today's healthcare uh, environment. So congrats to, to you on that.
1: Thank you, yeah. No, I think you're right. I think we're always, there is a bit of sort of fake it till you make it, of course, but I think it's important to acknowledge where we have weaknesses and where we can grow. And I'm certainly a believer that you can constantly be be learning and growing.
0: Totally. Now tell us about an exciting project or focus that you guys are working on today.
1: Sure. Well sort sort of in that that same growth mindset sort of trend, a big part of our work is continuing to just change and improve on on the day-to-day work that we're doing, engaging with patients, leveraging data and technology and working with providers to move toward value-based care. So we're constantly just improving our technology, how we're using data, how we're using all of our technologies to improve how how care is delivered. You know, On the patient side, we're working to integrate new data sources into our analytics and reporting back so that our analytics and algorithms are constantly learning and providing better identification and recommendations. We're also in- launching new ways to engage patients, including you know, web and app-based tools to extend the work of our very human-based teams. But on the, on the provider side, which is where we do a lot of our work helping providers move toward value-based care, we have a, a renewed effort right now around working with providers on identifying low-value care which has a negative impact to quality and outcomes and obviously is a big waste within the broader healthcare ecosystem. So in one example, we looked at some basic diagnostics, imaging, and pharmacy. Um, those three areas are areas that we know from literature often overused and prescribed. We found a lot of outliers, but in one example, there was an endocrinologist who was prescribing high-end diabetic medication significantly more than his peers uh, within his organization and at surrounding hospital systems. So he was like three to four standard deviations above the mean. And we showed this to the chief medical officer of the system and and she looked at it and was was ready to have a a conversation with the doctor on his usage and the potential negative impacts. And he embraced the conversation and, and actually changed his behavior. So in this case, it was really the local and real benchmarks that we have and that we use with our partners finding sort of actionable efforts within the data and then having real live conversations with providers that really led to impact. And, you know, it continues to be something that we're focused on today is, is sort of looking at that low value care, identifying actionable efforts and things that we can do and then delivering that to our partners.
0: Corbin, I think that so valuable. What a great story, firstly. And I was recently um, doing an interview with Marcus Osborne. He's the, he's the VP over there at Walmart. For healthcare, and uh, you know the big thing that he brought up, like you're bringing up right now, and it's a trend. It's like we're not giving our physicians the necessary metrics that they need to get feedback on whether they're doing well or or not as well as they could be, or maybe over prescribing or under utilizing resources. And and I think these metrics that you're setting up internally are so key. And the next step to helping providers get that feedback that they need to deliver better care. I mean, there's not a provider out there that wants to do a bad job. Everybody wants to do a good job. And and uh, folks, press rewind on this because I think that was a great story that Corbin shared and some best practices that leaders definitely need to uptake. Lots to be learned here from Corbin Petro. Corbin, this is coming to an end. (laughs) Time flies when you're having fun. Let's pretend you and I are building a medical leadership course on what it takes to be successful in the business of medicine, the 101 of Corbin Petro. I've got four questions, lightning round style for you, followed by a favorite book that you recommend to the listeners. You ready? Sure. Let's do it. All right. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes?
1: I think you're going to like this one, Saul, but um, breaking down silos uh, and working Love together. It. So, you know, in most cases, we have everything we need to improve outcomes. We're just not using what we have effectively because of access to information and, and misaligned incentives. So, you know, in our case, turning once adversaries, providers, and, and insurers with misaligned incentives into advocates for the patient, that's really near term, I think, the best way to
0: improve healthcare outcomes. Love it. What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? So we
1: we all know healthcare is pretty complicated. So not fully understanding all the different dynamics and players in healthcare and not thinking through unintended consequences. So you talked about consumerism a little bit earlier. So, for example, one of the challenges in consumerism of healthcare is that the patient or the targeted consumer has historically not been the one making purchasing decisions, nor are the vast majority of people thinking about their healthcare all the time. So, you know, as we know, usage of digital apps and tools has for the most part been pretty lackluster. Mm-hmm. So, I think before innovating in the healthcare space, it's really important to understand again all the sort of different dynamics and players within within healthcare.
0: That's such a great call out and for the entrepreneurs or even, you know, large companies looking to innovate in in the digital space, a big note to take there. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change?
1: So, you know, I think having a growth mentality, constantly improving, evolving and embracing change and then hiring people with that same mindset is really critical. So at Benavera, who we are today as an organization should absolutely not be who we are three to five years from now. If we are, we've failed. Um, and I can, you know, I can relate this back to my time as an athlete, never being satisfied with your last performance and constantly changing techniques, training, diet with the goal of constantly improving. Mm-hmm. That's really just critical to any organization, but particularly in healthcare.
0: Powerful. What's one area of focus that drives everything in your organization?
1: for us really the the patient the patient as a as a human and as a customer so we we aim to address all of a patient's needs that we can and to think about them and their complexity not just as a disease or as a condition so i don't know if i've mentioned this but we focus on what we call the whole person in person and then more broadly as a as a joint venture about delivering patient care better together so we we believe mm-hmm. that by working together we can deliver patient care so everything we do is aimed at trying to improve the lives of people and we we really stay stay focused on that work every day
0: what would you say your book that you recommend to the listeners is corbin so i have i have a lot of favorite books most of you <laughs> your
1: listeners probably want something healthcare or sort of improvement related but never uh,
0: rises to the top of your mind
1: yeah okay so i love david brooks's the road to character which huh. really helps think about how we as people evolve throughout our lives and and seek meaning and purpose in what we do. And so it helped me think about how who I was and what I was doing isn't entirely about intent and my own personal goals. It's, It's also about where the world needs me now. So that's, I really... That book struck me at the time in my life that I, that I read it. And then just in terms of general reading, I love all things Michael Lewis, Haruki Murakami, and, and Kurt Vonnegut.
0: Love that. Listeners, we've had a great discussion with Corbin Petro today, CEO at Benevera Health you could find all the show notes as well as a transcript of our discussion, links to the organization, links to the books that she has recommended for your learning. Just go to outcomesrocket.health Corbin, C-O-R-B-I-N, and you'll find all of that there. Corbin, this has been a blast. Really, really appreciate the time you've made for us. If you can, just leave us with a closing thought and then the best place where the listeners could get in touch with you or follow you.
1: Sure. I'm going to end with a little story about a meaningful experience that I had. So about 10 years ago, I rode my bicycle across the country, solo, wow. self-supported and, and self-guided. I started in from Seattle, coast to coast, coast to coast. So, yeah, so I, started I started in Seattle and ended in Washington, D.C. And I covered thirty two hundred miles in, in thirty three days. So wow! Each, each day I would I would navigate my way through places I'd never been and was huh. able to see and, and talk with people of all walks of life. Most people thought I was crazy. Um, but they, would, <laughs> they would gladly spend some time telling me about their lives and challenges. And every day for me um, had really high highs, like you know reaching the top of a nine thousand foot elevation, and really low lows, like you know when a state highway turned into a dirt mountain pass. So you know the challenges were physical and mental, and often the really challenging parts were not what I expected. So for me, not having physical contact with another human being for weeks at a time, it was. Really the only time in my life that I didn't hug another person for close to a month. Most of us have that human connection on a daily basis, and it was really impactful, the longing that I had for physical human connection. So my closing thought is that, um, you know, as humans, we we need human contact, um, and especially in healthcare, it's it's, you know, it's a very human endeavor. So technology can help us enhance, but it really can't replace human contact. So as we think about innovating in healthcare, you know, I encourage people not to lose sight of patients as humans and our need for for human connection especially as we age.
0: That's a great so, story, Corbin. And pretty amazing that you that you did that and it does bring home the message, you know, the importance of care.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's obviously very striking for me and I think just continually thinking about patients as humans is a big thing that that we try to do at Benavera. So in, in terms of connecting with me, you know, obviously check out our website, Benavera Health, and then personally I have a I have a very googleable name, only Corbin Petro. <laughs> who's out there. So I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn and, and Twitter under my, my full name.
0: Outstanding. Thanks again, Corbin. This has been a blast. Listeners, the beauty of podcasts is that you could go back and listen again. I know this is one that I'll personally go back and take more notes on. So you be sure to do the same thing. And just want to say again, Corbin, thanks so much for making time for us. Looking forward to staying in touch with you.
1: Great. Thanks all. I had a good time. I appreciate you having me on.
0: Month that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to reach if I had not started my podcast. Having this organic reach enables me to get the feedback necessary to create a podcast that delivers value that you. Are looking for, and the same thing goes if you start a podcast for what you could learn from your customers. The best thing about podcasting in healthcare is that we're currently at the ground level, meaning that the number of people in healthcare listening to podcasts is small but growing rapidly. I put together a free checklist for you to check out the steps on what it takes to create your own podcast. You could find that at outcomesrocket.health/podcast. Check it out today and find a new way to leverage the sales, marketing, and outcomes of your business. That's outcomesrocket.health slash podcast.